Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, one of the more interesting aspects of what we do here is the very premise behind why we do it. A lot of people see all these cool botanicals in aquariums and, you know, on social media, whatever, they see them on vendors' websites, and they wonder what the point of it all is. And it's a pretty good question, right? I mean, think about what it is that we actually do here. You know, you take a perfectly good aquarium, you fill it with water, and then you proceed to toss a bunch bunch of leaves and seed pods and bark and twigs and all that stuff in there, and then what? Well, you let them accrue biofilms, fungal growths, and begin to decompose. Like, why do you do this? Well, for one thing, think about this. There's numerous life forms which are found on these materials, which we never really consider, yet are found in abundance in nature and perform vital roles in the function of the aquatic habitat. Now, our aquariums, much like wild habitats that we strive so hard to replicate, are constantly evolving. They're accumulating new materials and creating new physical habitats for our fishes to forage among. New food sources and chemical and energy inputs are important to the biological diversity and continuity of the aquatic habitats, like, you know, flooded forests and streams in the tropics, and they play a very similar role in our aquariums. They're important in nutrient cycling and uptake both in nature and the aquarium, adding to the biodiversity and serving as an important food source for numerous fishes. I think that lately there's been a very visible surge of interest in the botanical method aquarium approach and a sort of resurgence in general uh, of aquariums based more on nature and less on other aquariums or, you know, fantasy derived uh, aquascapes. This is a huge refreshing change to me. Yet, yet... (laughs) There is an equally annoying and tenacious aesthetics first mindset, which continues to hang on with many hobbyists and yeah, with a few aquarium industry brands, even when touting things like natural, it's absolutely head scratching to me why it's so important to push the the natural look without bothering to talk about the natural function. Yeah, I've been railing on this. I know I've been really railing, railing on this in the last few episodes of The Tint because I don't know, I guess I'm just a bit disgusted by how lazy so many hobbyists are about even attempting to learn anything beyond how to glue two pieces of wood together or the latest techniques on creating forced perspective in their competitive aquascapes or whatever. My little sabbatical has given me sort of renewed vigor in my quest to beat the vapidity out of our hobby one step at a time, and I'm going to keep doing it. The concepts that we talk about here are, you know, constantly are not just that, not that difficult to grasp. And Quite honest, as we've done here for, you know, over the years, not all that difficult to explain, really. It's just that it takes more of an investment in your time and the deferral of immediate, you know, results to learn and talk about a concept than it does to talk about something superficial like aesthetics or how, if you're a vendor, how your product can help your tank look like a natural habitat. Don't even get me started discussing about you know, mini aquarium hobby YouTube channels. It just makes me want to vomit or even take another sabbatical, which a lot of you would probably welcome. I don't know. But look, we as hobbyists really need to wean ourselves off of this superficially driven, perceived immediate gratification mindset in favor of a longer term, more holistic view of the aquarium as a closed ecosystem with the aesthetics as a collateral of the function that we foster. It's a huge missed opportunity in my humble opinion. One which, if industry vendors, manufacturers, and influencers would take a bit more time to discuss, could result in sustainable evolutionary or, in fact, even revolutionary changes to the hobby for extended periods of time. And, yeah, likely more sales of their very products they're trying to push. 
Look, I've long been of the opinion that a botanical method aquarium complete with its decomposing leaves and seed pods serves as a sort of buffet for many fishes, even those whose primary food sources are known to be things like insects and worms and stuff like that. We've talked about this many times over the years. Detritus and the organisms within it can provide an excellent supplemental food for our fishes. Now think about nature again. It's well known that in many habitats, like here we go, in the inundated forests of South America and so forth, fishes will adjust their feeding strategies to utilize the available food sources at different times of the year, such as the dry season. And it's also known that many fish fry feed actively on bacteria and fungal growths in these habitats. So I less than humbly suggest once again that a botanical method aquarium could be an excellent sort of nursery for many fish and for that matter, shrimp species. A lot of populists kind of know this already. You'll often hear me uh, utilize the term paraphyton. You'll see that mentioned in aquatic ecology. And I think that for our purposes, we can essentially consider it in the same manner as we do epiphytic manner, stuff that's attached to things. So paraphyton is essentially a catch-all term for a mixture of cyanobacteria, algae, various microbes, and of course, detritus, which is found attached or in extremely close proximity to various submerged surfaces. Again, fishes will graze on this stuff constantly. In the wild habitats, some organisms such as nematodes and chironomids, you know, bloodworms, will dig into the leaf structures that are found in the accumulated on the bottom and the feed on the tissues themselves, as well as the fungi and the bacteria found in and among them. These organisms in turn become part of the diet for many fishes, that whole food chain thing, and the resulting detritus that's produced by the processed and decomposing plant matter is considered by many aquatic ecologists to be an extremely significant food source for many fishes, especially in areas like Amazonia and Southeast Asia, where detritus is considered an essential factor in the food webs of these habitats. And of course, if you observe the, you know, the behavior of many of your fishes in the aquarium, like caracins, cyprinids, loricarids, and others, you'll see that in between feedings, they spend an awful lot of time picking at that aforementioned stuff on the leaves, on the stems, and on the substrates and the seed pods within your aquarium. In a botanical method aquarium, this is a pretty common occurrence, right? It's something we see absolutely all the time. And I believe it's an extremely important side benefit of this type of system. As I've discussed previously, I've maintained several botanical-based aquariums for extended periods of time without supplementary feeding. These fishes that were in those tanks were as fat and happy as their brethren in, you know, very well-fed aquariums. In the wild aquatic habitats of the world, it's interesting to note that where materials fall from trees and surrounding dry areas, the greater the abundance of fishes and other aquatic animals which utilize them is found. This makes perfect sense though, right? Yet the idea of embracing and even relying upon stuff like detritus, biofilms, etc. as a positive influence on our tanks is completely at odds with what we've been taught over the years as a hobby, isn't it? For generations, we've been told in the aquarium hobby that we need to be concerned about the appearance of all kinds of stuff in our tanks, like algae, detritus, and biocover. For some strange reason, we as a hobby group seem to emphasize stuff like understanding some biological processes, like, you know, the nitrogen cycle, Yet, we've also been told to devote a ton of resources to siphoning, polishing, and scrubbing our tanks to near sterility. It's this weird dichotomy, isn't it? I remember when the first few botanical method tanks I created, well over two decades ago now, when they hit that phase early on when biofilms and fungal growths really started to appear, and I'd hear my friends telling me, yep, your tank's gonna be, you know, turn into a big pile of shit, told you you can't get that stuff in there. 
I remember hearing that a lot because that's what they had been told. The prevailing mindset in the hobby was that the appearance of these organisms was an indication of, you know, quote, un an unsuitable aquarium environment, unquote, just because it looks so different than what we've been told to be comfortable with in our tanks. It's bizarre. It's weird, right? I think so. Anyone who's studied basic, you know, ecology and biology understands that the complete opposite is actually true. The appearance of these valuable life forms is an indicator that your aquatic environment is ideal to foster a healthy, diverse community of aquatic organisms, including fishes, exactly like in nature. I recall reading about the, the guppy great uh, Paul Hanel um, in one of my dad's, you know, battered 1960s vintage fish books that he had so many of, and I used to peruse his library as a kid. And he, Mr. Hanel, like many of the amazing enthusiasts of the aquarium hobby's, you know, greatest generations, uh, greatest generation, as I call it, kind of like what they call the World War II people, adapted simple mantras about stuff like their aquarium's environments. A common refrain with these people, like guppy breeders, for example, back in the day, was something to the effect that if your water sprite, they loved water sprite, if your water sprite grows well, your tank is well suited for fishes. They were really onto something there. That makes sense, right? It, it, there's a, something about that whole environment. And in my tanks, I felt that the processes that I was witnessing, and I still feel this way, uh, the things that I was witnessing occurring in my tanks were beneficial and not at all unexpected. I remember telling myself that this is what I knew was going to happen. I studied this stuff in school. I, I knew how biofilms and fungal growths appear on undefended surfaces and that they're essentially harmless life forms exploiting a favorable environment. I knew that fungi appear as they help break down leaves and terrestrial botanical materials. I knew that these are perfectly natural occurrences and that they typically are transitory and self-limiting to some extent. Normal for this type of aquarium approach, of course. I knew that they'd eventually probably go away, but I also knew that there'd be a period of time when my tank wouldn't look like a big old pile of slimy shit. Or rather, it'd look like a big old pile of slimy shit to those who weren't familiar with these life forms, how they grow, and the natural aquatic habitats that we love so much actually function and appear. To reassure myself, I remember I would stare for hours at you know, underwater photos from the Amazon region, region in ecology books and later on in the internet. Um, they would show decaying leaves, biofilms, and fungi all over the leaf litter. I'd read studies by researchers like Henderson and Walker detailing the dynamics of leaf litter zones and how productive and how unique they were. I'd pour over my water quality tests. I'd confirm for myself that everything was okay, and it always was. And of course, I would watch my fishes for any signs of distress. I never saw them. Of course, I never reached for the siphon hose to remove all this material. I never freaked out and started scrubbing the shit out of my tanks, lest any issues arise. I was patient. I was ever faithful in nature. Indeed, I partnered intimately with nature. I trusted that the processes which had played out for eons in the wild aquatic habitats of the world would unfold in my tanks too, and that everything would be okay. And it was. I knew that there wouldn't be any issues because I created my aquariums with a solid embrace and an appreciation of basic aquatic biology. And understanding that an aquarium is not some sort of underwater art installation, independent or isolated from natural processes, but rather a living, breathing microcosm of organisms which work together to create a biome. And the appearance of you know, the aquarium only tells a very small part of the story. I was keenly aware about how different most aquatic habitats are from the way that we perceive them to be, and especially the way we portray them in our aquariums. 
I knew that this type of aquatic habitat could be replicated in the aquarium successfully. I realized that it would take understanding, trial and error, and acceptance that the aquariums that I created would look fundamentally different from anything I'd experienced before. A mental shift. Boy, you've heard me use that term a lot over the years, haven't you? I also knew I might face criticism, scrutiny, and even downright condemnation from some hobby quarters for daring to do something different, and then for labeling what most found totally distasteful or have been conditioned by the hobby for generations to fear as simply a routine part of the process, something to be desired. It's what happens when you venture out into areas of the hobby which are a bit untested, areas which embrace ideas, aesthetics, practices, and occurrences which have existed far out of the mainstream consciousness of the hobby for so long. Fears develop, naysayers emerge, and you know warnings are issued. Yet all of this stuff, all of it, is completely normal. It's well understood and documented by science, and in reality comprises the aquatic habitats which are so successful and beneficial for fishes in both nature and, yeah, in the aquarium when we allow it. We as a hobby have made scant little effort over the years to understand this stuff, and Once you commit yourself to studying, understanding, and embracing life on all levels, the world of natural botanical method aquariums and its completely untapped potential opens up to you. It just does. Mental shifts are required, though, along with study, patience, time, and a willingness to look beyond hobby forums, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram for your information, most aquarium literature, and probably aquascaping contests as well for information. It it takes a desire to roll up your sleeves, get in there embrace the study of of actual academic information, ignore the naysayers, and just do stuff. No other hobby specialty is poised to study, appreciate, and embrace this incredible diversity and processes of nature like we are in the aquarium world. It's an incredible, exciting, and humbling feeling to realize that the mental shifts that our community has taken, going beyond just the aesthetics, and really working with, indeed partnering with nature as opposed to fighting her, will likely yield some of the most important breakthroughs in the history of the aquarium hobby. An easy, beneficial partnership, wouldn't you agree? And you're right involved in it. Let's get at it. Let's keep going, okay? Stay thoughtful. Stay studious. Stay diligent. Stay creative. Stay patient. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.